0: Picture yourself standing on a quiet city street. In front of you, there's a row of cars parked nose to tail along the side of the road. Behind the back wheel of the car at the end of the row, there's a basketball resting against the curb. Imagine for a minute that the basketball was a scale model of the sun. Now imagine that you've got a little black peppercorn in the palm of your hand. It's so small you can roll it between your thumb and forefinger. This is the size of Earth in relation to the sun, a basketball and a peppercorn. Now, to gauge the distance between the two, stand alongside the basketball that's resting behind the back wheel of the last car and then start walking down the street past each car one by one. Once you've walked six full car lengths, that's about the scale distance between Earth, or peppercorn, and the sun, the basketball. So there we are, a tiny peppercorn in the middle of a street, which is obviously huge in comparison. But if that's got you feeling small, we're not done yet. If that little peppercorn was the Earth, over 70% of it would be covered in water. And on the land itself, you might think that we humans at least have that conquered. But here's another fact for you. If everyone lived as densely as they do in Manhattan, you could fit the entire human race within the shores of New Zealand. And what percentage earth does New Zealand's landmass cover? About 0.05%. Think you could even see that on your peppercorn? Let's upgrade our peppercorn to an apple for a second so we could take a closer look at something. Firstly, take a bite out of your apple. Now, look at the chunk you've just bitten out. See how thin the skin of the apple is? That's pretty accurate in relation to how thick the Earth's crust is. So inside that apple skin is every cellar, tunnel, subway system and mine shaft that we've ever dug out the ground. Shrink your apple back down to a peppercorn now and take a look at the street around you. Now, understand that this street is just our solar system. What about the next street over? That's a different solar system entirely. What about a street on the other side of the city? What about a street in another city altogether? Or a city in another country? So what's my point while this? I'm not trying to give you a headache. It's just to demonstrate that we're all floating on a tiny peppercorn in a vast, immeasurable space. And what's more, we're all collectively just a tiny dot on that peppercorn. There's very few places on it where we could survive naturally. And we certainly couldn't survive naturally anywhere off it. Our home, our own world, that's hostile enough. So what about places like Neptune, Venus and Mercury? Have you ever wondered what it would be like to go and visit these places? To walk around and explore them without the risk of actually being dead within a few seconds? Well, that's really the purpose of this podcast. It's called Hostile Worlds, and it's going to basically be an audio tour around some of the most fascinating yet deadly places in the universe. I'm your host, Matthew McLean, and I'll be ably assisted by many others throughout the course of this series. And the first of those people is Colin Gray, right here at thepodcasthost.com. Not only did I steal that apple off his desk earlier, I recently found out that he's got a pretty interesting and relevant qualification. One that could definitely be useful to a podcast series like this one. Let's cut to one of those quirky NPR style snippets of dialogue that absolutely hasn't been staged or scripted. Colin? yep. I just wanted to quickly speak to you about your academic qualifications I don't know how many times I'm not that kind of doctor There's a clinic down the road Go and expose yourself to them I don't mean your PhD in online learning As impressive as that is admittedly I was talking about your degree in astrophysics From Edinburgh University Oh, alright, what about it? I'm working on a new podcast called Hostile Worlds. It's going to be sort of like an audio drama documentary hybrid Nice, is that like a space type show then? Aye I'm just putting a team together for it. Fancy getting involved? Yeah, sure. Cool. Well, that was easy. Have you see my Apple, by the way? I'm sure. I'll... Right then, back to the very mission of this podcast. As you've probably established, I'm not even remotely qualified to fly you to places like Jupiter and Saturn. The beauty of audio, though, is that we can actually go wherever we want. We can see and hear whatever we want, and we won't even die. Unless, of course, you're consuming this show in a situation where your listening attention's paramount to your safety, in which case, stop. Come back later, I'll still be here. But if you're ready, I'm ready. It's time to get to work. So, what's the first thing we'll need to head out on our journey? Probably some sort of spacecraft. Actually, it needs to be a bit more multi purpose than a spacecraft. Something that can fly, float, swim, or dig anywhere in the universe, no matter how hot or cold it might get. Sounds like that'll be a tough thing to build, but like I said, we're working on audio. That makes life a lot easier. Of course, we'll probably need another crew member too. I want someone who can control the ship and take it where it needs to go. Again, I'm on the ball here. Obviously, our budget's a little too small to pay for a real astronaut slash deep-sea diver slash scientist. But theatre of the mines are ever-present safety net. I stuck an advert in my local paper looking for voice actors. I got a reply too, from someone called Sarah, and I've asked her to meet me for a coffee so we could talk about the job. Hi, Sarah. Yes, that's
1: me. Hello.
0: Here for the podcast interview?
1: Uh, I think so. Yeah, Am I being interviewed for a, a podcast or for a job?
0: Uh, both, I suppose. We're in the podcast right now. This, this is part of it? Sort of. It's just a quick chat to find out if you want to be the pilot or driver or general navigator of a sort of spaceship slash submarine slash general hostile environments exploration vehicle.
1: Oh, that sounds nice. Doesn't it? Yeah. You know, when I saw podcast voiceover Worker, I just thought I'd maybe you have to read out an ad for some sort of website or mattress company or.
0: And that might happen at some point in the future. But for now, we just want to get you settled into your new role.
1: Oh. oh okay. Does that mean I've already got the job? Oh.
0: Looks that way. You were the only person who responded to the ad.
1: <laughs> Was I. Yeah, I love uh, auditions and applying for stuff. Just. Yeah, well, I guess we just need to talk about, um, you know, wages, hmm?
0: Wages? Sarah, where we're going, we won't need wages.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, well, I mean, you, you say that, but, um, you know, I, I literally, I do need wages. What for? Well, to buy food, for starters.
0: Food? Oh, that won't be a problem.
1: You won't?
0: No. Yeah. Here. Catch.
1: Whoa! I <laughs> got it. Just uh, an apple.
0: Good observation skills.
1: With a bite taken out of it.
0: It's... There's plenty more where that came from. Anyway, sounds like they've just about finished building our ship. Tell you what, you sit here and eat your apple. I'll go around for a look. I'll meet you over there in five minutes, okay? Uh, okay. So there we have it. They're just putting the finishing touches to the ship that's gonna take us round some of the most hostile places in the universe. We just need to give it a name. I was thinking long and hard about this, and I've come up with something that I think's really fitting. The tardigrade. The tardigrade, if you're not familiar with it already, is a micro-animal. A tiny wee creature often found living in moss, and commonly known as a water bear. As Earthlings go, you'll struggle to find anything hardier than the humble Tardigrade. In 2007, a squad of them, and I do wonder what the actual collective noun for them is, were launched into space and exposed to its vacuum. They survived too, in raw open space. They became the first, and to date the only known Earthlings, to do so. They've got the power to basically switch themselves off, dry out, and lie dormant for long periods of time. More recently, in 2016, scientists successfully revived a tardigrade that had been frozen for three decades. That's basically a full winter in Scotland. And in July 2017, there were reports in the scientific press that the tardigrade will survive on Earth until the sun dies, essentially making them the last living band members of this planet's original lineup. So if we need to draw strength and inspiration from any of our fellow Earth creatures, we should look no further than our little moss-dwelling friends. And that's why I'm going to christen the ship the Tardigrade. I believe you're supposed to smash a bottle of something against its hull, so I've brought along a popular brand of tonic wine for that very purpose. (laughs) Oh, sorry! How you settling in, Sarah?
1: Yes, yes, yeah, great, thanks. I, I love these uniforms. They're just
0: Pretty cool, eh? I got that my car boot sale in Falkirk this morning. Have you had a wee look round the ship?
1: Yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah, one of the guys who built it, he was just in here talking me through what everything is and, and what it does. And... Oh, oh, he asked me to give you this invoice. There you go.
0: Right, hi Aye. I'll make sure I pay that as soon as possible, I'll just add it to my to-do bin.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, is that not just an actual bin?
0: Is it? Oh aye. So what was this guy saying to it? What have we all got in here? <laughs>
1: right, well, um, it, this is the control room, as you've probably guessed.
0: <laughs> Looks controlling.
1: Yep, we've got cameras all around the ship so we can look at what's outside on on this um, this big screeny thing here. <laughs> oh, whoops <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Yeah, I was just um, I was just catching up on my programmes before we flew off and potentially died on some distant world or something.
0: What's this over here?
1: Ah, oh, no, that's our radio communication channel. Yeah, now if you ever need to get an expert on the phone to ask them something about one of our destinations, you you just dial them up on this.
0: That'll come in handy. And you know how to control the ship and all that jazz?
1: Sort of. Sort of. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just looking at some uh, tutorials on on YouTube. Hmm. Oh yeah, I've stuck some L-plates on the front and the back too, just in case we uh, encounter any intergalactic tailgaters. Roadhogs!
0: (laughs) Excellent. Well, that's pretty much us sorted then, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, do you know where you want to go first?
0: I do. It's somewhere I've been fascinated with for years. Ooh, Glasgow. No. Titan.
1: <sighs> the biggest moon of Saturn. Yes, good choice.
0: Exactly. It's an interesting place for lots of different reasons, which we could look at in depth once we get there. I've got someone in mind who might be able to help us navigate the place too. I'm just about to email them and see if they'll speak to us on the radio thing. Does it have a name?
1: Uh, well, radio thing sounds good to me.
0: (laughs) Right, well, radio thing it is. Whilst well, to do that, though, here's a wee appetizer for you and the listener.
1: What? Is that a cassette type?
0: Hi. I wanted to go for the retro futurist vibe. I was a big Commodore 64 fan when I was wee. So, before I play this, I'll just say that one of the many things that's interesting about Titan is this huge hydrocarbon sea on it called Kraken Mari. Well, a couple of years ago, I actually set an audio drama there. It was partly inspired by a story in the news about NASA discussing the idea of dropping an unmanned submarine into kraken Mari in the year 2040. I thought to myself, imagine if there was some sort of alien structure or wreckage under there. So I came up with a story where a satellite orbiting Titan sends images back to Earth showing just that. Something that looks like a crashed alien spacecraft lying at the bottom of this huge hydrocarbon ocean. Naturally, NASA begin making plans to send a team to Titan to investigate, but it's a billion miles away in the outer solar system, and it's going to take a long time to prepare for something like this. That's when they're beaten to it by this eccentric British billionaire who fast-tracks a mission up there with only three astronauts. When their ship arrives in Saturn's neighbourhood, two of them land on Titan, whilst the third remains in control in the Moon's orbit. You know, Apollo 11 style. The two on the ground, McGovern and Jameson, travel to the shores of Kraken Mare, where Jameson boards a tiny one-man submarine and heads down into the depths, to literally get to the bottom of things. Intrigued? Well, I'll put a link to the whole thing in the show notes over at HostileWorlds.net, but here's a wee clip for you now. McCovern? Sorry, Captain. I'm approaching the objective and... What is it? Come on, talk to me! It's like nothing I've ever seen. Honestly, you, you wouldn't believe it. Is everything all right?
1: Everything's fine. Better than fine.
0: This is just incredible.
1: Well, spill the beans then, for the love of God. Is it some sort of
0: craft? Yeah, it's a spacecraft for sure, Captain. So, we're off to Titan, the biggest moon of Saturn. During the course of our journey, we're going to be joined on the um, radio thing by Alex Hayes, an assistant professor at Cornell University in the astronomy department. Alex specializes in solar system exploration and is part of the Cassini Mission to Saturn research team. In other words, he knows infinitely more about this stuff than we do.
1: It all sounds very exciting, Matthew, but um, what exactly is it we want to learn about on Titan, hmm?
0: Solid podcast etiquette there, Sarah. Mm-hmm. So I've said before that Titan's a fascinating place for a lot of different reasons. Wait,
1: Where's where's that music coming from? It's the outro. Oh, right. Oh, sorry, Come on.
0: It's okay. Right, where was I? Oh, aye. Erm... Um, With its rain, oceans, rivers and mountains, there's a lot of similarities between it and Earth. There's a lot of differences too though. The so-called magic islands, for example, that appear then vanish again in Titan's hydrocarbon oceans. This is one of the biggest mysteries in our solar system. Cryovolcanoes too. We want to find out what they are and why we think they might exist on Titan. And that all-important question of life Could it feasibly exist way out there? Well, there's apparently reason to believe that it is possible. So these are just some of the things we're going to be learning about in the next two episodes. All that remains to do is for us to actually fly the Tardigrade out there and for you to subscribe to the show on your podcast app of choice. If we both do that, we'll see each other again, in an audio sense, in episode two. I feel like I should say something climactic.
1: Um, how about, um, cheerio? Uh,
0: aye, okay. Cheerio then. Whoa, hang on a sec, i am not even sat down yet. <laughs> hey,
1: sorry. Sorry, I thought this would add to the dramatics. Nine. Outro!
0: Thank you very much for listening to Hostile Worlds, a series created and presented by thepodcasthost.com. Voices heard in this episode were by Sarah Golding, Colin Gray and myself, Matthew McLean. Also heard was a segment from Crack and Marry, the audio drama. A link to the full thing can be found in the show notes at hostileworlds.net. Special thanks go to Alex Hayes at Cornell University, Hayden Goodfellow at Kielder Observatory, Mike Malaska at NASA JPL, and Robert Cudmore at Yap Audio Production. For show notes, series info, and links on where to subscribe, visit us at hostileworlds.net.